Welcome back to another episode of Can You Dig It, a podcast by SilverScreenAndRoll.com. I'm Christian Rivas, joined by Jacob Rude. It's been a little while since we've talked because Harrison keeps switching the schedules up on us, and I had to podcast with Anthony, and I used the word had uh, lightly because I do love, I love podcasting with Anthony. I think he is a fine fellow, uh, but this feels like home, Jacob. I'm happy <laughs> to be home. Uh, how are you doing today? Uh, aside from the fact that it would get us copy, like a copyright strike, we should play like I'm coming home at the beginning <laughs> of this as like our intro, like the P. Diddy one. Um, but no, I'm doing good. It's uh, It was a fun weekend of, of basketball, of sports in general. So uh, I am I'm enjoying that sports are back and um, – I still wish there were fans. There's been multiple moments this weekend where I couldn't help but think how fun it'd be if fans were around. But other than that, um, it's great. It, it's I keep thinking back to what probably ten months ago, nine months ago, when there were no sports and how badly we missed them. And so thankful they're back. Yeah, I mean, who knows how long they'll be back at the rate? Knock on wood. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, but it seems, you know, if for no other reason than the fact that the NBA just seems to like be throwing their hands up in the air and saying, we have a plan. We don't know if it's a good plan, but it's certainly a plan that will allow us to keep playing games so long as there are enough players. There have been so many games postponed in the time that has passed since we've last talked. Uh, there was a 76ers game on Sunday that was postponed last minute because the 76ers didn't have enough uh, players to compete with. The Lakers, fortunately, have not run into that problem yet, uh, but they haven't. They also haven't played since Friday. So uh, we, I, I think it would be a good idea for us to recap the game on Friday because uh, you know nobody's really talked about it on the podcast network so far. Uh, And so to recap, the Lakers and Pelicans played, uh, as you guys know, it it seems like Lakers fans and Pelicans fans have like this disdain for each other ever since the Anthony Davis trade. And I honestly could not tell you who started at first. I think it was more Pelicans fans saying, Hey, the assets you have to give us are garbage. We're going to have Danny Ainge give us Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and whatever we ask for. Like, that's just going to be how things go. Don't even bother putting a package together. And, you know, lo and behold, whether it was through the power of Clutch Sports or, you know, it was. <laughs> or Rob Palinka being uh, an executive of the year com- coming out of the shadow of, Magic Johnson, like he was Justin Timberlake and in sync. Uh, we got Anthony Davis, and here we are with at, at the with one championship ring on AD's finger, four on LeBron's, and the Pelicans are 
in the mix for a playoff spot. I think they'll probably make the play in tournament, but it is certainly not the scolding hot takes that the Pelicans were more likely to make the playoffs in their first year with Zion than the Lakers uh, were to make the playoffs in their first year with AD. Uh, A lot has been said. I think we know (laughs) who's on the right side of history now. Uh, But the, the point still stands that I think there's this weird rivalry that has nothing to do with on the court stuff when it comes to Lakers Pelicans. And it really hasn't even been much of a rivalry rivalry because on Friday, once again, the Lakers wiped the floor with the Pelicans, even though it, it didn't exactly start off that way. Yeah. I will add that this rivalry started because of Anthony Davis, like yeah. <laughs> it would be, it would be a bit of a disservice to try to put you. You are right about the Pelicans fans and um, whatnot, but I mean, this started because of how Anthony Davis left New Orleans, and they were always going to be mad at him and whatever team he went to. Um, yeah, it's a, it's honestly probably more a fan rivalry than a player rivalry because. Aside from the guys who were traded, particularly the Lake baby Lakers that are on New Orleans, I don't really think there's any extra motivation um, on the court. Um, that doesn't mean the matchups haven't been fun, though. Like, watching Zion is a lot of fun, um, particularly in the first half on Friday. He was a lot of fun. But as you said, um, this one was – not close once the Lakers decided um, to turn it up. The second half, the Pelicans were held to uh, 37 total points. They uh, Pelicans led by 15 in the second quarter, about right at the midway point. By halftime, it had shrunk all the way down to one possession, and basically immediately into the second half, the Lakers take the lead and that fourth quarter, it got ugly. Like it was multiple angry timeouts from Stan Van Gundy. Um, the Pelican shot three of 16 from three in the second half, 16 of 45 overall, while the Lakers were nine of 19 from three. Uh, the Pelicans turnovers have been a problem all year. Um the Lakers really didn't even get out on the on the break, but the Pelicans had 20 turnovers to the Lakers six, and the Lakers had 20 points off those turnovers. So it's stuff like that. Really, really snowballed for the Pelicans. Um, and honestly, it's it was a lot of what we've talked about. The, I tweeted this a couple times. I've said it. I said it to you. I think last week at one point, you and I both cover separate teams that aren't the Lakers. Um, as well as obviously watching the Lakers. I'll watch the Hornets, the Pelicans. I've watched every one of their games. Going from watching them to watching how the Lakers are playing, it feels like the Lakers are playing a different sport right now. Yeah. Like, they're playing at a level that is above everybody, uh, Bucks and Clippers included. Though the Clippers have... I think pieced together a couple of nice performances in a row there. Uh, as we record this, they just finished 
beating the Pacers pretty badly, and they beat, uh, I want to say, Sacramento pretty badly as well um, this weekend. So they've had a couple nice wins, but I still think the Lakers are just at a tier above everyone else right now. Um, and it's just like it's in so many different ways without really – I mean, we went down – why the Lakers have been so good, but I mean, like they just send wave after wave after you. Um, they were probably as, as close to full strength as they've been in some time uh, on Friday, which is why THT only played three minutes. Um, and I mean, we, we've talked, Anthony and I talked last week. Uh, THT is like a legitimate player. Yeah. So the fact that he's only getting three minutes is kind of tells you how good this team is, how deep this team is. So it's a, uh, it's not been a competitive quote unquote rivalry between the Pelicans and Lakers. That word honestly probably shouldn't even be used because none of the game. I think one game last season was close, and that's when AD had that steal at the end to seal it. Um, outside of that they've just been beat down. So it was interesting um, seeing them. They basically toyed with their food a bit. I talked to, to uh, I can't remember who it was, someone else, but this team in a lot of ways reminds me of those KD Warriors teams where they always had that third quarter. Like it was specifically the third quarter that they would always just absolutely destroy teams and then they'd coast through the fourth quarter that was kind of what friday was for the lakers against the pelicans and i think that will be a reoccurring trend this season yeah we'll we'll get back to the warriors we'll go more in depth on the warriors in a second because that is who the lakers will be playing on monday for their martin luther king jr uh game day matchup uh but there was an interesting quote from steve kerr on Sunday about the Lakers and, and, you know, the comparisons, not to the KD warriors, but to the 73 and 73 and nine warriors. Uh, So the quote from Steve Kerr was uh, they have that confine that comes with winning a championship and they don't have the fatigue that comes with winning multiple championships. Uh, This is a really sweet spot. It's where we found ourselves the year we won 73 you come back and it's almost like a continuation of your championship season. You're on top of the world. Everybody's happy. You add some layers to what you already did and you just have a deeper confidence in what you're doing. Uh, that's the end of the quote. I really liked that quote from him because I think to have a coach of a, a, to, a to have somebody that coached a dynasty uh, and, and win multiple championships like that, look at a team and say, they're about where we were. There is no championship hangover. They're they're building on what they had with their championship roster. I think is really cool. I think it's a testament to Frank Vogel and the way the front office kind of structured this roster around LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Uh, they have a they have a clear vision as to what their identity is. They want to be a defense first team because they know they're going to be talented enough with LeBron James and Anthony Davis to, uh, to be good on offense. And I, yeah, I think, I think the Lakers are a really, really good basketball team, a really well-run basketball team. Uh, and 
even with all of that being said, though, they're, they're on a five-game winning streak right now. In that time, they played the Chicago Bulls, the Houston Rockets twice, the Thunder, and then the Pelicans. It, none of those games have been particularly close. The last like close game the Lakers were in was that game against the Memphis Grizzlies that they won 94 to 92. Uh, how much of what we're feeling about the Lakers right now and where they're at has to do with the opponents they've seen so far? I want to circle back first real quick to that Kerr quote again because it, it's an interesting angle that I, we probably didn't talk enough about is just him talking about they're in the sweet spot where they're kind of building off a championship team. I think that's probably even more so this season because there was such a short turnover. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't really talk about it in that light. We've talked a lot about how do the, how does that hurt the Lakers um, and how do they kind of deal with that in that regard? We didn't really talk about how it might help the Lakers that there isn't this, however long the from June until October, however long that is um, four or five month break where they're not playing um, and whatnot. This time around, there were two months between the last finals game and the first regular season game. So, I mean, um, in that sense, I had, I hadn't really thought about it and, and it makes sense. Cause this is a lot, a, a core of guys that, really learned how to play with one another inside that bubble. And honestly, it looks largely like that. They've just kind of continued that level of play for much of this season. Um, Aside from honestly, that Clippers game, which I think you and I talked about how that uh, ring nights are always emotional and whatnot. Aside from that, uh, that this team has pretty much played at that level um with few exceptions uh this regular season but granted i mean it's not been a particularly tough schedule they've won nine of their last 10 games and the toughest opponent in that time is maybe san antonio i'm not sure what their record is right now uh they're seven and six yeah that's probably the toughest team they've beaten that's also the only team that they've lost to um, in that span, but uh, I don't know. It's kind of one of those things. We went through this last year um, where the narrative was, well, the Lakers record is what it is just because of who they're playing. Yeah. Which fair, but it's how they're winning these games. Like they're bludgeoning teams right now. And a lot of these scores are a lot closer than they are during the game because of garbage time and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um so it's kind of a process versus results thing, even still the way that they're winning these games is going to translate no matter who they're playing. So, um, and I talked with Anthony last week that there was, this was going to be kind of a, a prove it portion of the schedule coming up. Um, Cause after golden state tonight, when you're listening to this, they have Milwaukee um, after two days of rest. So that will definitely be the, part where they can prove that uh that this is real not that they need to 
similar to last year, not that they needed to, but also this that Milwaukee game's the start of a seven game road trip. Um, so if they needed to prove anything, it's going to happen here in the coming probably two and a half, three weeks. Um, but I mean, I was, when that, when that came up at the beginning of last season, I said then that the way the Lakers are winning these games are going to translate to tougher teams. And that's the case now. I mean, they're doing it with just insane defense. Um, a lot of guys contributing offensively. It isn't like LeBron and AD are carrying just a massive burden on the offense and it's all from them. Um, how many times have we seen Trez go off for like 12 points and a quarter or something like that? Um, which somebody kind of to go, go off track a bit. I saw the question during the Pelicans game. Is there a better player in the league right now that or I guess a player you would rather have in the league right now in the dunker spot than Trez? I mean, probably not just because of the, the thing that's been, I think the most impressive to me about Trez that I don't know if it was, it's that JaVale and Dwight just didn't have it in their bag last season because of their age or their size. It just, it seems like when Trez is working to get his baskets it looks like he's working like there's not a moment where i watch trez save a few possessions on the defensive end here and there where i don't think trez is giving everything he has uh to to get whether it was a second chance second chance points or rolling to the basket uh I, I just think he plays really, really hard. And so, yeah, no, I, I don't know that there are too many players uh, I'd rather have in that spot than Trez. Yeah, and I don't think there would be either. I kind of try to think about it. it. I mean, sure, there are players that could probably play in that role that you might – like Zion would probably be a guy. But Zion doesn't really play in the dunker spot. Um, so – it was more just like guys who are typically in that role. Um, but it was just an interesting thing because Trez has found himself in that, uh, in that spot a lot. I know Pete Laker film room tweeted a clip from Friday's game where it was a pick and roll LeBron dishes to AD who throws a little bounce pass to Trez for a dunk. Um, we saw that a lot in that game, we've seen that a lot this season. We're going to see it a lot going forward um, because that's just a, a deadly combination right there. Um, Trez this season is has a 6.0 net rating. Like everybody on the Lakers has a positive net rating, save for Wes Matthews, who honestly has been hurt probably long enough that uh, his net rating hasn't adjusted to, to us being good, more or less. Um but yeah, I mean, if if you need the Lakers to prove anything, they're going to do it in this upcoming road trip. They also have a game against Philly, the uh, one of the Boston or no, I guess the only Boston game will come during that span. Um, so they'll they'll have the chance to do it, but it doesn't matter. Um, short of them going like zero of eight on this road trip, I don't think there's any set of results that could play out that I would be worried about this team like. They've looked so damn good. Those two Houston games 
are when I there's kind of those flashbulb moments when you think of teams or you think of like an era. Like I think of the the Kobe and Powell Lakers as like a three year run, and there's like certain games or moments that I think of when I think of the LeBron AD Lakers. Um, I think those two nights in Houston are going to come up a lot, especially that LeBron three, which is that's up there. LeBron has a really high list of like badass moments. Right. That's up there. Like he, he turned immediately after he shot that, like that absolutely blew my mind. I was yelling like this team. I just love the camaraderie they have. It's so much fun. Yeah, and it's going going back to the way they've won games. I think the overwhelming narrative with this Lakers team was that they were going to win games on offense because of how much they lost on defense. I I talked about this with Anthony a little bit, but I just want to reiterate the fact that the Lakers have the number one defense in the NBA right now given how much roster turnover they had and the type of defensive personnel they lost. Like I know Danny green isn't a fan favorite among Lakers fans. He's not going to be remembered as such, but throughout the season, he was tremendous on defense. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't know that the Lakers win that Miami series without the defensive possessions he played, uh, particularly in, in the first few games, the, Offense, while I think could probably still use work, I think some guys could be integrated a little better. Marcus All, uh, namely, could probably be integrated a little better than he has been thus far. Even with that being said, though, the Lakers have the fourth best offensive rating in the NBA right now. Only the Nuggets, Clippers, and Bucks are better. Uh, and when it comes to net rating, they, they have the best net rating in the NBA. Uh, at 11, followed by the Bucks with 10.4. That Bucks game is going to be really, really, really like a good test to where they are. I think it's hard to take too much from these results as we saw last season with, you know, a, a lot of the games that, whether it was the Lakers played or the Bucks played, you know, ultimately when it gets to the postseason, it's a whole different ball game. And the guys that are playing minutes right now aren't going to be playing the same roles they are. Obviously, Anthony Davis is going to be playing a lot more center than he is right now. Uh, but even like taking all that into account, I think the Lakers Bucks game is going to tell us a lot about where the Lakers are and and where they have to go. But before that, before they can play the Bucks, they do have to go through the Warriors. And let me tell you. I did not expect the Warriors to be like as bad as they are, I guess. Uh, even after the Clay injury, I thought after the season Kelly, Kelly Oubre had, I thought maybe he would be a decent fit with them. Uh, Jacob, if you had a guess what Kelly, Kelly Oubre, yeah, why can't I say Kelly Oubre? Um, if you had a guess what his shooting splits are for this season, what would you guess they are? Is can I, is bad an option? Like I, I don't. Correct. Uh, <laughs> it is. I mean, I know he was shooting just atrocious from three, and the only shots he was making were dunks. So I would say like 
40% from the field, 20% from three, and I it, I don't even know what he shoots at the line. You are too kind. Uh, he is shooting <laughs> 35% from the field and 19.7% from three, uh, but still averaging 11.1 points per game, which I think speaks to the amount of talent or lack thereof that the Warriors have on their roster. He is shooting like crazy. Oh, no, this was okay. Never mind. I was looking at total. I've, I thought he was shooting 24 shots a game, which would have been <laughs> crazy. I would have, that was absolutely blowing my mind, but yeah. no, okay. But no, still, like, uh, that team, that's, it's an odd team. I've watched them a couple times. Um, they re- obviously rely a lot on, on Steph. Um, surprisingly they don't their net rating isn't like if i were to have guessed i would have thought they had a really good net rating with steph on and atrocious with steph off not necessarily the case they're minus 3.1 net rating with him off the court um which technically speaking is better than with him on the court but obviously they're a better team with steph on the court but it's just a it's an interesting team. I once Clay went down, I did not have nearly as high as aspirations, I guess, as uh, as you may have. I thought they were going to be really bad. The main thing I'm surprised, I don't know what it is about Steph. He gives Draymond Green some type of superpowers because Draymond looks like he's back to his like all defensive form. Yeah, and I thought he was mega wash after last season. Yeah, I see. I didn't see that. I think. Um, like if I was Draymond and I had been on all of those like NBA finals teams with the Warriors and I found out that Curry and Clay were going to be out for most of the season. Yeah. I'd coast. I wouldn't like, (laughs) I'd be a good teammate. I'd clap for my teammates on the sidelines, but if you want me to put my body out on the line for a team that is at best going to finish with a, uh, bottom five record. No, thank you. I will look as washed as I have to uh, without making it blatantly obvious that, that I am coasting. Um, Draymond's actually shooting 28.1% from the field this season, which is absolutely insane. Uh, But what is even more insane about that is that in spite of how poorly he's shooting from the field, uh, he still has like, an okay box plus minus it's a negative three because his defensive box plus minus is a plus two. Um, he's a really good defender, like offense aside. I, I personally have, have never expected much out of Draymond defensively though. He's still an absolute menace. And uh, God, I'm, I'm trying to think. And I, I don't think this is the case, but has Anthony Davis, played against like an in form for lack of a better term Draymond Green like while he's been with the Lakers oh no not while he's been with the Lakers uh it would probably have been quite a while when they played in the playoffs (laughs) yeah that's what I was honestly thinking I was thinking probably what's the best version of Draymond versus the best version of Anthony Davis and it was probably that one playoff series they played against each other um I that that would be a really fun matchup. It will be. Um, I was trying to go back and look that that was in 2018 in five games against Draymond. 
AD averaged 28 and 15 on 48% shooting. God, this guy's unreal. Yeah. Um, we think the, there are times when I'll look at Anthony Davis's stats for a very, like that, just literally that example. And I'm just like, Holy cow. Like we didn't give up enough for this guy. <laughs> um, I mean, they met one other time in the playoffs a couple years before that um, where AD only averaged 31 and 11 on 54% <laughs> shooting. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, Draymond is a fascinating player. There was a clip uh, that went around the internet, the the Warriors-Raptors game, where I believe Siakam had the final shot, and they go out on the court, and Draymond, nobody's moved, and Draymond knows the play, and he turns around and starts telling guys, he's going to screen here, you stay, you go, and the Raptors all move around and everybody stays where they're supposed to be. And it ends up in Siakam having to force open or force a mid range shot that misses. And it all like, it all happened because Draymond knew the play like there. That's the type of stuff we heard from like LeBron or Rondo, like Rondo would know the other team's plays and whatnot. So he's crazy. He has a crazy high IQ uh, and when he's engaged, he can be really good. But the problem with the Warriors this season is they have Curry and Draymond and then a massive <laughs> drop to everyone else. They have the 24th offensive rating, even with Curry this season. And even for all of the plaudits we just gave Draymond, their 19th in defensive rating. Yeah. So, I mean – this is still a, a really bad team. You talked about Uber shooting. He struggled. Wiggins has struggled. Um, it has not been a uh, shockingly relying on much on Uber and Wiggins as they have has not worked out for him. Wiseman's been a lot of fun, but he's still a rookie. Um, and outside of that, they really don't have a lot. Damian Lee hit the one game winner, but he hasn't been great. Baysmore is kind of washed. Um, although I did really want him to come back to the Lakers this offseason. Um, they just don't really have a great team. I'm amazed they're paying as much money as they are for this team. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to pat any owner on their back for actually spending money, but <laughs> the fact that they're actually doing it is um, – the exception and not the rule i i wouldn't be surprised i don't know what the standings look like i think the bottom of the uh west is going to be like that kind of like last season where there's a big gap between i think six and seven or maybe seven to eight whatever it was i think there's going to be another big gap this season like i think the top seven more or less are set lakers clippers jazz suns blazers I don't know that I'd put Spurs up there. I think the Mavericks will get it figured out. After that, I mean, I could see this being like a 1-8 playoff series. Yeah, I mean, maybe. I think Nuggets is a team I forgot. They're, they're that seventh team in there. Yeah, I I think the the Warriors will will force a play-in spot. Um, I, I also agree the Nuggets will probably figure it out eventually. The Nuggets and Mavericks, I think, 
will shoot up the standings a little bit. I, I don't imagine the Spurs will hang around. Um, and I just think Nikola Jokic is so good right now that, I mean, if they don't figure it out while he's on the roster, it would just kind of be a little embarrassing. Um, but no, I think my I think my biggest question regarding the Warriors going forward is if they are still around, hanging around 500 or above 500 in that eighth spot when the trade deadline comes around, do they try to make another win now move involving the contracts of Kelly, Kelly Oubre and Andrew Wiggins? That I am really interested to see. As you know, I am an, I am an absolute fiend on the trade machine. And we went through a few trade scenarios in, in our discord the other day. And I, for some reason I kept leaning on like centers that they could go after. And it, I, I kind of forget that James Wiseman is on the roster. And honestly, now that I, not that I didn't know that he was on the roster before, but now that I am more mindful of the fact that he's on the, on the roster, I think that is an underrated storyline going into Monday is James Wiseman versus Anthony Davis. Uh, LeBron got up to play Zion Williamson last season. I don't know if he's admitted that or not, but it was a little funny. He did, (laughs) Whether he needs to admit it or not, that was hilarious to watch. Yeah. The the fact that LeBron James, who has accomplished so much in his career, when faced up against Zion Williamson in the regular season, activated playoff mode, (laughs) was the funniest thing to me. But I kind of hope Anthony Davis does the same against James Wiseman uh, on Monday because I think that that has the potential to be a really fun matchup. I was trying to look. I I mean, I could kind of see them trying to pair contracts with picks. The problem that they would have is they're going to have to, like, thread this needle where – they add someone that would also fit next to clay next season. So it pretty much means you have to trade for a small forward and typically those don't come cheap. So you have to give up quite a bit for them. I don't know how interested they would be in giving up the Timberwolves pick when the Timberwolves look like they're going to be atrocious um, for, it would have to be the, it'd have to be a really good deal for them to give up that pick. But uh It'd be interesting to see between between uh, Wiseman and Draymond. I mean, this will be a little bit of a, a challenge for the starting front court, at least. I would imagine that AD would start on Wiseman and Gasol on Draymond, just because Draymond's a little more, um, a little less athletic, I guess. Um, but it'll be interesting to see just like you said, how much AD gets up for the game. We saw that Houston game, the first one at least, Christian Wood said he had it circled and AD (laughs) ran circles around him. So, I mean, AD is capable and has shown that he'll get up for games. I don't think Wiseman has said anything quite as reckless about circling (laughs) the game, so maybe he won't get up for it as much. But I would imagine if there's a game they're going to get up for, it's going to be that Bucks game on Thursday. Oh God, I cannot wait. Uh, hopefully by then we will have, uh, or I should say, hopefully next week we are scheduled together so we can talk about it. If not, we will talk about it next time we see each other, Jacob. Uh, that will do it for our show. Unless you have any parting thoughts. 
Nope. I, uh, I'm excited. It's, I I hope the Lakers don't do what I do because I'm basically overlooking Monday for Thursday. Uh, <laughs> Lakers, if you're listening, don't do that. Uh, play Monday's game and then play Thursday. But, boy, I'm excited to see uh, LeBron and AD versus Giannis on Thursday. Also, Lakers, if you're listening, literally any one of you are invited on our show. Like <laughs> uh, Mike Penneberthy, if you're listening, you are welcome on this show. Uh but yeah, uh, that, that'll do it for this week. Uh, we'll, we'll be back with you hopefully again next week.